verse that we had was Colossians chapter 1, where it says that we who believe are translated into the kingdom of his dear son. And that's the son which he loves. And that's our position as believers in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ in this day of grace. But before we get to that kingdom, let's look at some previous kingdoms and look at the history and maybe identify some things that the vast majority of Christendom doesn't quite understand. Let's pray. Thank you, dear Lord and Heavenly Father, for this time that we have in your word. We thank you especially for the revelation of truth we have in your word that we can rely on, that we can study, that as believers, the Holy Spirit will guide us if we simply uh, submit to that guidance. And we just praise your name in all that you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> so, we're going to start with a kingdom in, that we're going to look at, and the reference is going to be 1 Samuel. And we're going to jump into where Eli is God's representative. Eli is a judge, he's a prophet, he is representing Jehovah to Israel. And sorry to say in our example here, we're going to see that he did a pretty poor job of it. But we have here a kingdom where Jehovah is king, he has representatives that are judges and prophets, there's a, a tribe of priests that are supposed to do the work of the religious work. And that was, this, that was the plan. That was this kingdom with Jehovah as king, Israel as the servants, if you will, the people that are being ruled, with prophets and judges and priests being Jehovah's representatives. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 3, and I think I'm going to start probably at verse 11, the way it looks. Oh, no, I changed that. I wrote in a note. So we're going to go to chapter 2, 27 to get a little background, okay? 1 Samuel 2, 27. There came a man of God unto Eli and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord. Here is another prophet talking to the judge Eli. Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? He's reminding them of the history. And did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? And did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore, kick ye at my sacrifice, at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Eli was doing bad. He was not performing his duties that King Jehovah was requiring of him. And because of that, there's going to be a judgment. Eli 
is falling and God, Jehovah, is going to raise up a new prophet, a new judge. And let's go now to chapter 3, verse 11. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. Wow, this is like an eternal judgment against this house. Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel feareth to show Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he answered, Here am I. And he said, What is this that the Lord hath said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him everything. And Eli said, It is the Lord. <clears throat> Let him do what seemeth good to him. So we are coming here to a place in this kingdom where Jehovah is king. Jehovah makes the rules. Jehovah makes the judgments. And he is going to judge an unfaithful servant of Eli. And he's going to raise up another servant who is going to be called Samuel. This is a type of kingdom that we see before the kingdom that most of Israel talks about, <clears throat> that, oh, won't that be great? A kingdom. Think of this kingdom as the original, and we'll see in the future also. This was back when Israel was one. There was one kingdom. It was a theocracy. Jehovah was the king. And we see that those who were without the world, they understood to a great degree that there was something really special going on here with this Jehovah as king and this nation of Israel. They understood and they feared it. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 4. We have Israel and the Philistines are going to have a battle. Verse 5. And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord, Jehovah, come into the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out 
of these mighty gods. These are the gods that smoked the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Those who were without, that were fighting against Israel, they understood there was something terrible for them about this king, this God, this Jehovah. This word that is translated gods here that the Philistine used, it's not the God that we understand. It's a different word, but they recognize that he is supreme and powerful, and they feared it, and they understood there was something wrong here. The example of when God brought the children out of Egypt and what he did to Egypt. It was well known, and that was the purpose. Remember back in Exodus? He said, I'm doing these things so that all the world will know. And here we come forward in history all this time. They knew, they remembered that. That this God is special. So we have Jehovah as king, Israel being judged by God's representatives. That is a kingdom that we see. Let's go forward in history to 1 Samuel chapter 8. We'll start right at verse 1. And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, the name of his second was Abba, and they were judges in Beersheba, and his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. Have we heard that before? We just had Eli's sons do the very same thing. People in Israel, they're paying attention, and we'll see what they do. Then, verse 4, Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, thy sons walk not in their ways. Now they have a plan. They said, Look at this. This very same thing's happening. There's got to be a reason this is going on. The reason must be at the top. They say, Make us a king to judge us like all the nations. They say, this kingdom that we're in, we don't like it. We don't Look at all these bad things that are happening. These representatives are not doing their job. It happened in Eli. It's happening now again. The problem must be the king. Let's get rid of this king. Let's have a king just like all the other nations. They're all doing great, right? They forgot that God had brought them out of Egypt against that Pharaoh king. They abandoned their responsibilities under their covenant relationship. Remember in Exodus 19? They said, whatever you say, Jehovah, we will do it. They didn't do it, did they? So now we are going to enter into another type of kingdom. No longer is Jehovah king. We're going to have a human king. That's what they want. The, the uh, story continues. Let's jump in at 
verse 10 of chapter 8. And Samuel told all the words of the, Lord, of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. And he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons, appoint them for himself for his chariots, and to be his horsemen, and some shall run before the chariots. He, this new king, this human king, he will appoint captains over thousands and captains over fifties. He will set them to air set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest and to make the instruments of war, instruments of his chariots. All these people, they're going to work for this king now. He will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take the tenth of your seed. Where was the tenth supposed to go? It's supposed to go to support the tribe of priests. He's going to usurp that. Verse 16, he will take your men servants, your maid servants, your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your sheep. Oh man, he's going to take more tenth? And he shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye shall have chosen you, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Samuel tells them all the things that this king is going to do to them. Oh, surely they'll say, oh, that's a bad idea. Let's go back. Let's go back. Nevertheless, verse 19, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, nay, but we will, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the other nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us, and fight our battles. Samuel heard all the words of the people and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And Jehovah said to Samuel, hearken unto their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said unto them, men of Israel, go every man unto your city. It's a done deal. They got their wish. Now we're going to have a different kind of a kingdom. We're going to have a kingdom of a man being king instead of Jehovah. That's the kingdom that goes all down through history. That's the kingdom that David resides over. That's the kingdom that's different than what God originally designed. Original design, Jehovah is king with representatives to judge and rule. Men has a, have a habit of having these earthly thinkings, right? Let's look at an example during the Lord's earthly ministry of this earthly thinking. Let's go to men, men who the Lord Jesus Christ chose to be his representatives, right? Let's go to Mark chapter 9. Taking me a long time. 
and it's going to be verse 31, Tim. Mark 9, 31. The Lord Jesus Christ is instructing his disciples that are following him. Verse 31, And he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, that they shall kill him, and after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. But they understood not that saying, and were afraid to ask him. They were very confused. What in the world is he talking about? Their earthly thinking. They're thinking with their earthly brains, their experience of what's going on, what do they know, what do they see. They didn't understand it, and they weren't so sure they wanted to know. They didn't ask him. Verse 33, he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, what was it that ye disputed among yourselves by the way? So were they in deep theological thought and saying, what, what is he talking about? No. But they held their peace, verse 34, for by the way they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. A perfect example of men being in a position and they think earthly. These were the disciples. The Lord is just imparting to them some information that us looking back we know the truth now right looking back we're like well, well sure didn't you know that it was in prophecy it was all is isaiah it's all full of it right these guys were in their physical brains in their physical thinking caps if you will and they're wondering who's going to be the greatest in this kingdom what kind of kingdom are they thinking of? They're thinking of the kingdom of David, yeah? There's a person who's a king, and he's ruling, and there's problems, and his representatives don't do what he's supposed to do. What about Solomon's kingdom? Did it end well? Was he a man? He was this kingdom, this kind of a kingdom, a man that was appointed. He was in the line. His kingdom ended really poorly too, didn't it? So we have men thinking in their physical brains, assigning what this kingdom is going to look like. How much of Christendom is caught up in that very same kind of thinking as they think of the kingdom. Oh, I'm working for the kingdom. Of course, we understand as we rightly divide the scripture the difference between a theology that's stuck in the Gospels and in the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ that is to Israel as opposed to the heavenly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, which we follow as we rightly divide the word of truth. And you, and you know from the first verse that we're going to talk about a different kingdom yet. Not the one where Jehovah is king with representatives. Not the one where there is a person as a king in the line of Jesus. 
but is still a man. So we think of, we think of back in Samuel, in, in, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 8, where they first requested to have a king, and they, they rejected the true king, yes? They said, no, we will not have this king. Let's look at another place where this happened, in John chapter 19. John chapter 19, we're going to look at verse 15, I do believe. So we have the Lord Jesus Christ before the judges. And the people, they're asking him, we better go back and get a little background. In verse 13, Pilate brought Jesus before, uh, forth and sat him down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover. Oh, Pastor Rick has taught about that extensively, how the, the picture of the Passover is exactly what happened to our Lord Jesus Christ. It was the preparation. They are preparing the lamb. And said about the sixth hour, and he saith unto Jews, Behold your king. So was he serious? Was he like saying, this is the real deal? No. But they cried, verse 15, but they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests, who came before uh, Eli, it was the elders. Who came before Samuel? It was the elders. It was the leaders, the religious leaders. Here we have the religious leaders, the chief priests, answered, we have no king but Caesar. Who in the world is Caesar? He is one absolutely without. He is not in the line of a king. They, they absolutely rejected everything. They said, we will not have him to be king. Here is Jesus Christ, who is God Almighty. And they rejected him again. Man does this over and over and over. So we have, during the Lord's earthly ministry, him presenting to his followers, to his disciples, to his apostles, what this kingdom is going to be like. Are they thinking the same way that Jehovah is thinking. Are they thinking of a kingdom, Jehovah is king? Are they still thinking with their earthly thinking? I think during the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, I think they were still thinking earthly. They weren't thinking of that original kingdom where Jehovah is king. Let's look at some things that the Lord taught them during his earthly ministry. Matthew 19, 28. 
Matthew 19, 28. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit, shall, shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. How were they looking at this? What did they have in the history? They had judges that represented God. There were men sitting judging, right? Here we have the Son of Man is the phrase that's used. I don't think they're thinking of this kingdom original with Jehovah as king. I think they're thinking more along the lines of this kingdom of David. Let's go to Luke 22.30. Luke 22.30. He, he, he again tells them that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on the thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. I think they're thinking humanly. They're thinking earthly, which it is. It's an earthly kingdom, but where did it come from? It comes from heaven. Who is the king? Is it a man? It's Jehovah God is king. It's not a kingdom like King David was sitting on. So is Jesus a king after the flesh? Let's look at Matthew. Well, as long as we're here in Luke. Let's go to Luke 20, 41. Take a little shortcut. Luke 20, 41. It started at 39. Then certain of the scribes answering said, Master, thou hast well said. He had told them that God is not a God of the dead, but of the living. Verse 40. And after that, they durst not ask him any question at all. He stumped them. They didn't know what to say. But he continues in verse 41. And he said unto them, How say they that Christ is David's son? He's going, to, he's going to try to get them to thinking away from this human, earthly thinking. How do they say that Christ is David's son? David himself saith in the book of Psalms, The Lord saith unto my Lord, Thou sit on my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. How could, the, how could Jehovah be the son of David when he was before David. So he's trying to get them to away from this idea bound to this earthly kingdom that is thinking like a human king. He's trying to get them away from that. Now let's go to Matthew 22, 42. He's asking. The Pharisees are gathered together, and Jesus asked them, that's verse 41, saying, What think ye of Christ? 
That's the Messiah. What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? And they said unto him, the son of David. They are absolutely locked in to this human thinking. And he tends, he's trying to correct it. He saith unto them, How then doth David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, that I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? He's trying to get them away from this human lineage that Jesus Christ is just a man, that this kingdom is going to be a human king like what you're used to seeing. So let's go to, right now we've been dealing with the Lord's earthly ministry before the crucifixion. Let's go to after the crucifixion. Let's go to Luke 24, 45. No. Let's try. Whoa, how did I do this? I copied and pasted and I messed up. I am so sorry. Hmm. Uh, this is a very important verse, which I must have. If you would all bear with me, one second, I will come up with it. Don't talk among yourselves. Luke twenty four forty five. Huh. Oh, it helps if you turn in your Bible to the correct book. Some of you who were in there saw that. And if I'd have looked up there, I'd have seen it. Sorry. We'll get there. We got plenty of time. I won't go as long as Pastor does. Luke 24, 45. Now we're going to see something. Let's start at 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Now they... He tried to convince them. 
just talking to him throughout his ministry, right? They didn't get it. They stayed in this human thinking mode. He opened their understanding so that they could know it, so that they would know this is after the resurrection. This is before the ascension. He opened their understanding, their understanding. Now they can tell and they know. <clears throat> They're going to ask a question very shortly. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. When they therefore, they being the apostles, were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? I think that this is not talking about the kingdom like David ruled. I'm thinking this is not the kingdom that Solomon was king of. I'm thinking this is the kingdom before Israel said, we will not have a king, Jehovah. We want a human king. I think this is a kingdom going all the way back before there were human kings. I think all this time the Lord is trying to show them this kingdom that I'm talking about, it's going to be different. It is very different. King Jehovah is going to be king. I think their, their understanding was opened. They're no longer thinking along this human lines that we're looking just for a human king. They understand, when will you restore this kingdom that you originally had? I think that's what's going on. So we have two kingdoms so far. We have the original, which Jehovah is king, we have a kingdom where there were men, they were in the line of Jesus, absolutely. But they were still humans and with faults and failures and it didn't work. But there's a kingdom that the Lord will establish, Jehovah as king, and there will be the 12 apostles sitting on 12 tribes judging Israel. The world will be blessed through Israel but praise the Lord, that's not our kingdom. Our verse was Colossians 1.13. How do we get in a kingdom that's far better than even this? How do we do that? Let's look at first Ephesians 2.11 and 12. Where were these, the people that were so afraid of Israel and the power of God, the Philistines, when they were getting ready to fight? Where were they at? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. 
Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past, Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. They understood those Philistines way back there fighting Eli when Eli got killed. They understood there was something terrible about this God and they were without any hope. That's where all men that were not of Israel were. They were without hope. Verse 13. Praise God for verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh, how? By the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the law of commandments committed, contained in ordinances, for in making himself one twain, one new man, so making peace. By the blood of Christ, we are made close to God. We can be entered into this kingdom of the Son whom he loves. By the blood of Christ. That's, the way, that's how it works. That's what made the payment to pay the blood of Christ. How do, how do I get it? How do I get it? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. In whom ye also trusted. Who's the ye? The ye is the believers who trusted in this finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who trusted. How did you trust? First you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. And you believed in it. And what happened then? You were sealed by that Holy Spirit of promise. Which is the earnest of your inheritance. Until the redemption of the purchased possession. Unto the praise of of his glory. We are translated, Colossians 1.13 again, we are translated into this kingdom that's not a kingdom on earth. It's not the subset kingdom of Jehovah as king working through Israel. Because, you know, in Zechariah, Chapter 8, I think it is. It talks about that the people, there will be 10. Grab hold of one Hebrew because the Hebrews know the truth. When, when is that? When is that time? Is that going on now? No. Is that going on during tribulation? I think if we look at the context, we'll see it's during this kingdom of heaven on earth. They're still going to be ministering going on there's going to be people that need a Hebrew to take them to God 
So if you are looking for that kingdom, that's a rough road to hoe because in order to get there, you're going to have to endure to the end. Endure what? Endure this great wrath that is coming. We don't want that. We don't, we don't look for that kingdom. We look for this kingdom, this overall kingdom of his son, the son whom he loves, the son who paid the price for all our sins. And it's not something that's future for the one who believes. If you don't believe in that, it's still future, and I invite you definitely believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, was buried, and rose again. You believe that. Immediately, this happens to you. The tense on this, it is hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. It's not something that's going to happen in the future. It's something that happens the moment you believe. And we are in the kingdom of his dear son, this overall sovereignty. Oh, the, the wonder of it all. Don't spend your time looking for something that's lesser. Don't spend your time hoping for this kingdom of heaven on earth, which is going to be wonderful, but that's not to what we are called. And to get there, it's going to be a terrible, terrible time. Very few would make it. If they reject this kingdom, very, very few would make it. I invite you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today and be saved. Let's pray. Thank you, dear Lord and Heavenly Father, for your matchless grace, for your mercy to us. We praise your name for what you have done for us, what you do for us every day, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, your finished work, your matchless words of truth in your Bible for us to study. We pray that we are able and encouraged enough to go out to those who are without and tell them the truth. Invite them in to be in this kingdom of the Son whom he loves. What a wonderful place to be. We thank you in your name. Amen.